everyone loves the story of the stripling warriors in the Book of Mormon. And rightfully so. It's inspiring, it's encouraging, and it's oh so powerful. How did their mothers do it? What did the mothers of the stripling warriors do differently from the Nephite mothers that made the testimonies of those teenage boys so incredibly strong? That's what we want to explore in this episode. Welcome to the My Teaching Matters podcast, where our mission is to help you, the intentional parent, to teach your children in such a way that they can personally experience the power of Jesus Christ while still at home. Welcome, everybody. My name is Lindsay Jensen, and I'm here with my mom and my co-host, Leslie Johnson. Hey, everybody. So today, we have kind of a fun topic, I think, um, because coming up during our scripture study next week, we're going to be talking about the Stripling Warriors. And when I think of the Stripling Warriors, I love the story of the Stripling Warriors themselves. But now as a mother, I often think of their moms, right? It's one of, it's some of the women that are mentioned in the Book of Mormon, and there's not a lot of women mentioned in the Book of Mormon. Um, just unfortunately, that's how it is. And so our question today is how did they do it? We want to kind of explore the mothers of the stripling wars and how did they raise such amazing sons? Um, right, mom, anything to add to that? I just am so excited. This is, as I was um, preparing for this, I just got super excited because um, there is a lot that we can learn, even though we don't really know um that much about the mothers or exactly what they did. Um, in fact, in the margins of my scriptures I've written, I would love to have a handbook from one of these mothers. You know, what did they do exactly and how did they do it? And unfortunately, we don't have that. Um, but I think that there's still some things that we can glean from what their son said about them that can help us in our own quest to, to raise stripling warriors. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so let's, let's just start, let's just jump in because there's a lot to talk about here. So let's first start by just talking about, so there's a description um, in Alma 53 verse 20 of what these young men were like. So it says, and they were all young men and they were exceedingly valiant for courage and also for strength and activity. But behold, this was not all. They were men who were true at all times and whatsoever thing they were entrusted. Yea, they were men of truth and soberness, for they had been taught to keep the commandments of God and to walk uprightly before him. Okay, so I love that. I mean, everybody wants to have a son like this or to marry a man like that. And, right. um, you know, they were taught by their mothers to keep the commandments of God and to walk uprightly before them. So, again, the question begs to be answered. How did they do that? What did they teach their, their sons? And how did they teach them to have this integrity and to be so faithful? So, so Lindsay, I just want to ask you this. If, if, you know, I've kind of told you my experience, if I could be there. But what if you could talk to one of these mothers? What would be a question that you would ask them? What would you want to know? Oh, I, I just would love to talk to him in general or be a fly on the wall. How did, you know, how did you do it? What, um, 
What did you teach your kids? Lots of them were single mothers, right? We learned that because their dads died before they, that's why they had to move to Jershon to be with the Nephites was because so many of them were dying. Um, how did you raise such amazing kids that were strong? As you were reading that verse, it made me think of, of this, the verse about Jesus. He grew in stature and in wisdom and in, um, oh, whatever with God and man. You know, mm-hmm. my mind's going blank now that I'm on the microphone, but the, um, Anyway, that idea that we care about intelligence, we care about our physical bodies, we care about our spiritual and our emotional things. And these young men were all of it, right? How can you do all of that? Have them be strong. How can you have them have such great testimonies, being intelligent and wise and have such straight, strong testimonies? And how did your children know that you knew, right? Because later they said, we did not doubt that our mothers knew it. What is it that you did that made it so that your sons knew that you had no doubts about what you taught? Yeah, I mean, those um, are such exciting questions. So, so exciting to think about and to, to contemplate. So, so in my study, and again, this is just my own study. I'm not saying that it's doctrine. I'm not saying that this is the way it is. But these are the thoughts that I've had in my studies. And I believe that... The strength of these young men come from the experience that they had growing up and the experiences that their mothers had that they, uh, they shared with their sons. And I believe that um, they took advantage. We've talked a lot about this, this learning cycle and learning from experiences. And I believe that they took advantage of that learning cycle to try to truly learn from their experiences and to change because of those experiences. Oh, yeah, I agree. So we have talked a lot about it, but let's, um, for people who maybe haven't heard those episodes or don't, aren't very clear on what the learning cycle is, do you want to tell us, take it through us really fast, mom, what, what that learning cycle involves? Yes. Um, so let me just back up a minute. I believe that God teaches us through experience. That's the whole reason that we're on this earth is to experience from our own choices and our own decisions. And so experience is a big part of the learning process. Um, so the first step is having an experience. But to really learn from our experience, we have to go through several more steps. So we have to have the experience, but then we have to reflect on that experience. And then we have to come to some conclusions. You know, what did I learn from that experience? And based on those conclusions, then we change our actions and we change something different and we experience again a new experience with our new insights and our new learning. And as we um, follow this cycle, it allows us to slowly change ourselves and our paradigm based on the new information, the new knowledge that we have. And that is lasting and true change that comes as we change, not because somebody wants us to, not because that's what our parents said, not because it's what everybody else is doing, but we change because we understand differently and we like the results of the changes that we've made in the past. I love that. So that's a quick quick overview. We are going to, I think, give lots of examples of this through the lens of the stripling warriors, right? So if you didn't catch yes. it, you'll start to understand a little bit better. But for any of you guys who are interested um, in learning a little bit more about this, we have a free download on our website. If you go to myteachingmatters.com, um, click the free resources button, and then there's a, a little spot there called experiential learning. You can click on the experiential learning and you can download a visual of the learning cycle as well as kind of your own experience that you can try with your family. Um, 
but yeah, if you go download that, click it and download it, um, then you can have that visual of, of what this learning cycle is because we think it's really powerful and we're going to continue to talk about it. Um, so you can go there and, and download it if you want. So go ahead, mom, and let's um let's go through that example maybe with with one of the things about the the stripling warriors or the anti Nephi Lehi's in general. Do you want to start yeah. out? So so remember the story of the anti Nephi Lehi. So they were a group of Lamanite people who were taught by the missionaries Ammon and his brethren, and they um had been following the traditions of their fathers of hating the Nephites for what they felt were the injustices that were placed upon them because of, of, of their Nephite heritage. And they um, had killed many Nephites. And as they became, as they accepted the gospel and came to understand the plan of salvation and how God loves his children, they experienced a change of heart and they experienced forgiveness of their sins. And so that was the experience that um, they had they had had. As mm -hmm. they had this experience, then if we look at the second step, so that's the first step is you have an experience. The second step is to reflect. So after they had this experience, they began to reflect on God's goodness and how he had taken away their guilt and how he had forgiven them. And um, it's, it says that in, in uh, let's see, where is it? Alma? Anyway, Alma, 24, I think. And, and so they started to reflect on that. And then the third step was, well, you know, I've now experienced this forgiveness. I've, I've reflected that God's taken away. I don't have this guilt anymore. And because of that, I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want to stain my sword again, that it might not become bright. I don't want to have those sins come back and that my salvation might be in jeopardy if I were to kill another um, of my brethren. And so they conclude that they are going to um, no longer um, use their swords. And from that conclusion, they decided to act, which is the last step in the cycle is to act. And their action was then to bury their swords in the ground so that they would not be tempted to slay their brethren again. And so this is that, that learning cycle. Okay. They, they felt that forgiveness. They reflected on what it felt like to be free of the guilt and the, the sin of killing their brethren. They concluded that they don't want to go back to where they were. And so they're going to bury their swords. That's the, that's the complete learning cycle. Well, they have another experience. And this is how the learning cycle happens. You have one, one experience and then you have another experience and another, and they just all build upon each other. So the next experience that the anti-Nephi-Lehi's have is that the Lamanites come, um, come to them in war. And the anti-Nephi-Lehi's say, we aren't going to fight them. Our swords are buried. We're just going to prostrate ourselves on the ground and, um, we're not going to even lift a finger to fight them. So as the Lamanites come upon them, they go and they kill a thousand and five of these anti-Nephi-Lehite men before they realize that nobody's putting up a fight, nobody's fighting back, and then they stop. Okay, so now you've just had this experience when a thousand and five people are killed because they won't take up arms against their brethren. So now you have people that start to reflect on that experience. And these Lamanites 
realize that that they also want to experience what these people have experienced, and they no longer want to kill their brethren. And so it... Oh, go ahead. Mom, I was just going to say, like, they had their own experience, right? You think about those Lamanites going and killing them, and their experience is killing. Like, they're just doing what they normally do or what what they're used to doing. Um, Yeah. But they say, wait, they must have had amazing conversion to not even fight back. What are they doing? I'm interested in... They've, they've gone through some sort of transformation that seems very intriguing. Let me see what that is. Right. And when they right. have that experience of their own, then they, and and they reflect that ex- on it. Right. And because of that experience, then many more are converted to the gospel of Christ, more than were slain in, in, to begin with. And so. And their families. Yep. And, and their, you just. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, that's exactly right. So. So the conclusion that, and it, the conclusion that they come to, and thus we see, I love this in the scriptures, it says, and thus we see the Lord worketh in many ways to the salvation of his people. So, okay, so that's the, that's the, the learning cycle. The conclusion then, thus we see that the Lord worketh in many ways to save his people. And because of that, the action is now that more people are converted and more Lamanites bury their swords as a testimony to uh, themselves and to their God that they will no longer kill their brethren. Okay, so this yeah. is this is amazing how this is is happening. Well, um, and the and the women who are left widowed and the children that don't have their fathers and all they but they welcome them with open arms, right? They yes, their action is yes, we're in mourning, but we've gone through this transformation and more people are going through this transformation. Welcome. Let us help you through this. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. Come and come and be a part of us. Um, so, so these are the experiences that have, that are beginning to shape their life, right? They are making choices and they are having experiences that are, are shaping their life. So now, as you said, now we have many of many men who are killed you have many women who are left widowed, who many children who are left fatherless. But the great part of this story comes 15 or 20 years later and 30 chapters later when we get to Alma 53 and 54. Um, so there's an, now there's another experience that happens. So now the Lamanites... Um, are once again coming after the Nephites. And they, the, Nef- the anti-Nephi-Lehi's now are just as you said, they are, think about this way, they are um, refugees. They've had to leave their home yeah. and they have had to go to a new home and, and, but they have been accepted by the Nephites. They've been given land that they can um, inherit and that they can be a part of. And so they have felt the, the love of their Nephite brethren, and they have felt the love of their Heavenly Father for, for saving them. But they, at the same time, have been through some, some tragedy as they have had to leave what was um, familiar to them, what was important to them. They had to leave those homes and to, to move to a new place. So they're basically refugees of war with, with a lot of baggage that comes from seeing your loved ones killed, right? Mm-hmm. So here they are, and um, the Lamanites... Um, are upset again, and they are going to fight the, the Nephites. Um, and the, ne- the anti-Nephi-Lehi's are now part of this Nephite group. 
Um, so once again, the Nephites are come or the Lamanites are coming to destroy the Nephites, and the men are tempted to take up swords to defend their families. They 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 don't like sitting back and watching somebody else be killed or somebody else do the work and fight for them. to protect yeah. them. Right? That's yeah. not that's not a easy thing to watch. Other people die to defend you. Um, and so in return, these young men who did not take that oath to never take up sores, volunteered to defend their families. And, and these are the kids. These are the kids who've lost their fathers. Some of them probably still have fathers around, but lots of them don't. Right. Um, they're, they've grown up, right? It is, I think about it 15, 20 years later. I mean, it's kind of fun to think about that now that I'm older and I can think, oh, you know, that happened when I was little and now I'm grown up, right? And thinking mm -hmm. of it being... Anyway, it's just kind of fun to think through that a little bit later. Right. Right. So now we have the words of um, these young men as they're talking to their leader, Helaman. Now, Helaman is anxious about taking these wonderful young men into battle. He doesn't want to see these young men lose their life. They're at the prime of their life. He doesn't want to, to take them into battle where they might be killed. Um, and this is what the, the young men say. They're talking to Helaman. They call him Father. Father, behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth. We would not slay our brethren if they would let us alone. Therefore, let us go, lest they should overpower the army of Antipas. Now, they had never fought, yet they did not fear death. And they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives. Yea, they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And they rehearsed unto me the words of their mothers, saying, We do not doubt our mothers knew it. Okay, how powerful is that? What it's do you so think the powerful. words were that the mothers rehearsed to them? Oh, I, I don't know. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I don't know <laughs> for sure. But that's a strong testimony. Whatever it was, it was powerful because though they knew and they yeah. were, and they, they had clear priorities and they knew exactly what was important to them. And they knew they had a strong testimony that God was there. And they attributed it to their mother's teachings. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, that says a lot. So so while we don't know exactly what was said or what was done, I would like to think that that these mothers reminded them of the experiences that they had had. I'd like to think that they would remind them of the tender mercies they experienced, experienced since the death of their fathers or maybe their uncle or another loved one. I'd like to think that they testified of God's love and of his mercy and of his truth in their own life experiences as they had seen God help them be a single mother or help them find peace in a new land or help them find joy in their life alone. And I think that those young men would have experienced God's love in their own way and in their own life, and that their mothers would have been sure that they recognized that for what it truly was. And I believe that that's how change happens when we learn from our experiences and we want to change because our understanding is different now than it was when beforehand. And I guess I have to think that 
part of their testimony, or maybe a lot of their testimony, came as they reflected on why their fathers were willing to give up their lives and why it was so important for them to not jeopardize their salvation. And and then as they acted on that, as they acted on faith, then later on we hear that they they weren't hurt. They had faith. And so that, again, because, well, they can't say they weren't hurt. They were all hurt. Many of them were hurt and wounded um, extensively, but nobody died. And so for them to come to understand that God does love them, that God do- will protect them as they have faith, it just is that learning cycle continues as we act on new information. Well, and the other thing, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. The other thing that comes to mind too, as you were talking, as you, as you talk about your, you know, the mothers sharing their experiences with their kids, because their kids experienced it in, in part, but they were, but they were young, right? It didn't mm-hmm. mean as much to them at that point, but their, their, their mothers rehearsed those stories unto them, rehearsed those stories, shared those experiences that they had and shared their testimony. And it just reminds me, this is not, not maybe the same level, but when you guys visited, and I think we talked about this before, but you guys were visiting our house and grandpa was sharing stories of, to my kids of when he was growing up of his mission of when he was growing up of different things and just different testimonies that he had and experiences that he had had that helped him know that God loved him. Right. And my daughters were just, you know, listening to every word, right? Yeah, they they say, and uh, tell another story, grandpa, tell another yeah. story. Yeah. And I can imagine the same thing happening there where they're just sitting and their mother shares with them, you know, the story of when their dad died or their uncle died or the story of how they left their homes and God was with them. Right. Or even the story of Ammon coming and how they learn, you know, what they, what their life was like before and how their life changed and how much it means to them because of their experiences. And they latched on to that. Right. And so I, I like that. I like that idea that the stories we tell matters. Sharing mm-hmm. our testimonies with our children matters. Sharing Telling my daughter how I know Heavenly Father loves me and how he has answered my prayer, those stories will stick with her. Absolutely. And I think that this is the, the, the proof is that we see how strong these young men's testimonies were. And I believe it was because their mothers did, just as you said, they reflected on those experiences and shared those experiences and uh, talked about their learnings from those experiences and, um, and I would think as their children went through hard times or difficult times, I can imagine that it wasn't easy growing up without a father or without um, a loved one of some sort. And and I would think that they um, would refer back to these experiences to help them come to understand a little bit more about what was, um, why why they were in the situation they were in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, a powerful story. Go ahead. Well, I just think that there's some things that we can learn from these mothers. Um, yeah. So I yeah, believe let's that... let's explore those. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's look at some of those things that, that we can learn from them. So first of all, I think that we can learn to teach like those mothers did, that we can we can have similar results as, as they did if, if we can learn to um, teach like they did. So if we look at the scriptures, these are some um, of the things that I took from directly from the scriptures about what these mothers taught 
their sons. So the first one that um, came to me was that they taught they were taught to keep the commandments. And I believe that um, they were taught to keep the commandments as they were led by example. I think the parents, uh, particularly in this case, the mothers, um, led by examples, but even their fathers, their fathers showed them how important it was to stay true to the commitments they had made by bearing their swords and never taking them up again, never going back to their old ways and traditions of hating the Nephites. Um, and so that is the example that they set for those, those young men. And I'm sure that their mothers talked about that. Look, we made a commitment to our God and we are not going to go back on that. We want to be together as a family. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that we're saved and we cannot continue to kill and, and go back to our old ways and think that we can have that promised blessing. And so I believe that one of the ways that they taught was by leading by example. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. Secondly, um, they taught their those boys to walk uprightly before him. And in my mind, this would be done as, as we talk about their heritage. You know, their fathers died for a cause. Their mother taught them that their death would not be in vain, but we needed to uphold their father's um, values and their father's death. And so it kind of reminded me of, in our family, um, we talk about what it means to be a Johnson, and in your case, what it means to be a Jensen. And we talk to our kids about, um, you know, what what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? For I know of a, a funny example of um, what it means to be a Johnson actually happened when, after dad and I were married, we went home one weekend and, uh, grandma and grandpa still had, I think there were three young boys still living at story, home. I, is this the story about Clark? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I was just going to tell this story because even oh. as like, I've never been there, but I still, anyway, I'll let you finish it. Cause you know, no, better, why, but... why don't you go ahead and why don't you go ahead? Cause <laughs> I've been doing a lot of talking. You tell the story of Clark, because I think this <laughs> so, is exactly what we're talking about here is that we have a heritage <laughs> and we have a name to uphold. So go ahead. Well, I'm, I might get it wrong, but, well, but correct, the, yeah. the reason the reason I like this story is because I wasn't there, or if I was, I was too little to know, but it's been told to me, right? And I know this story about being a Johnson, right? But from what I recall, um, Clark came back with like blue hair or something crazy, right? He'd colored his hair. Yeah, he had bleached it. It, it was bleached it, it. Was, it was white. Okay. So, okay. So it was white. And grandpa was mad and he might not have even said anything but it's, anyway eventually it came out what i remember is that grandpa said johnson's don't show off by doing their hair johnson's don't stand out by changing the color of their hair johnson's stand out by being honest and true and i don't remember but it was it was by our actions not by our being ridiculous right <laughs> i don't remember that to me that was what it meant so maybe you should probably tell the, the real story well uh, it was basically that this is you know johnson's are not uh, we do not get attention by dyeing our hair or by by bleaching our hair we get johnson's are known for doing well in school for being honest for being trustworthy and having integrity and this is not a johnson so you go and fix that right now uh uh, he 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 told grandma I says go out right now and get some hair dye, and um, 
and you are not leaving this house, Clark, until your hair is um, back to its normal color. And so I, it might have been a Saturday night late that, that Grandma had to go out and try to find some hair dye at the grocery store and get his hair changed back to <laughs> a relatively normal-looking hair color um, before he could even leave the house because that was disrespectful of the Johnson name. Well, and, and I love that, right, because because I wasn't there, but um, but I know that story because Johnsons – don't get attention through through flaunting themselves, right? By changing your hair color. Johnsons get attention by working hard, by doing well in school, and by doing some of these these other things, right? And that has always stuck out with me. That that's if I want to stand out, I can do it by doing incredible things with my life, by using my life and my talents for things that I consider worthwhile. Um, and that's that that's our family that's what our family does right and so i love that story yeah um, so i think that when it talks about their mothers taught them to ro- walk uprightly before christ i think it was okay we are now members of christ's church and as such we need to act like we are and we need to to respect the name that we carry and i think that as parents that that is an important part of of teaching our children what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And having those family cultures, having that family value, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, something that I talk to my kids a lot about is that Jensen's, Jensen's are problem solvers. We don't just complain about problems, but we go and we try to solve them. So, you know, if my daughter wants a drink, well, can you solve that problem? (laughs) Can you go get your own cup and get your own water? Right? So that's an example for a young kid, how to be a problem solver. Perfect. Or for an adult, um, there's other ways, right? But Jensen's are problem solvers. We're creative. We, you know, we're kind. We are, um, you know, uh, we're honest, right? We we read the scriptures, right? And there's, there's these different things, though, that Jensen's do, just that mm-hmm. Johnson's do. And that's powerful for me to feel like I have a role in that. Be like, oh, I need to uphold this. That's important to me to do what Jensen's do and to do what Johnson's do. Um, and there's a lot of power in that. Absolutely. So I think that that's another way that we can follow these these mothers and help our families. The third way, um, the third thing that they taught, um, that the boys say, we did not doubt God would deliver us. And I believe that comes as, as we've talked a bit about this, as they shared their testimonies and their experiences. You know, we talked about how they were refugees from a war-torn land and that they had seen God's mercy. And I believe that they they testified of his love and they shared those those things. And so as as parents, we need to share our own stories and we need to share our own testimonies and we need to um strengthen our children through by sharing. You know, Brent and I have had some conversations about whether or not we share some of the bad parts of our life with our children or some of the struggles that we've had. And um as we've thought about that, we have decided that we will share some of those things, maybe not in great detail, but we will share some of our imperfections and some of our struggles and how we are trying to overcome them, that we're not there yet, but we're working on them. And um, I believe that as we share those things, that we can um, 
help our children realize that we aren't perfect, that we too are working on becoming better. And it gives them room to be okay with their own mistakes and to be okay with striving for perfection, not being perfect. And um, I think that that can give us the faith to to continue on, that these, these young men didn't doubt that if they did what they needed to, that they would be taken care of. And I think that comes as we share our experiences and our testimonies with them. I appreciate that. Um, I think that's true. It does come through that. Um, uh, yeah, I remember distinctly a time where, where dad shared some, some struggles that he's had and he shared it with me and that was, um, it was impactful. It did make, it did make me feel better and it did make me feel like, oh, you know, we're going to get through this together. And the fact that he'd had those great struggles and I had no idea gave testament to me that of the strength of, of God, that God can deliver people, gave me strength of our family, right? That, that together we can get through this, right? That just because someone's struggling doesn't mean that the rest of us need to, to fall down and hate our lives. Like we can work together to become better because it, we're not in this just by ourselves, but we're in it with our family and with the Lord. And that's, that's powerful. That is, and there's a lot of support that can happen within a family as we um, share our struggles. You know, it doesn't just, it's not just a one-way street. I have been strengthened by my children many times and have been edified by their testimonies many times. And I think that if we remember that we can help and strengthen each other and that it's not just us dragging our kids along, but it's us sharing in their journey and their, them sharing in our journey that um, we are all strengthened and, and um, helped in, the, in our journeys. So I like that. I like that. Um, one, and then one of the last things I found that they taught was that these mothers taught their children how to access the power of God. Um, in verse 56 of Alma 56, I think it is, uh, it says this, it says, and they fought as with the strength of God, yea, never were men known to have fought with such miraculous strength, and with such mighty power did they fall upon the Lamanites that they did frighten them, and they did cause and for this cause did the Lamanites deliver themselves up as prisoners of war. So they fought with the power of God. They knew how to access the power of God, and and because of that, I believe that that is um a physical explanation of a spiritual principle that I believe that we can spiritually prepare our children to, to be as strong and, and fight with the power of God just as these young men did physically. We can teach our children to do spiritually. And, um, and I think that's what we're trying to do as we try to figure out how to really teach meaningfully to our children. And as we try to figure out how to capitalize on uh, the power of, of experiences and as we feel the power of Christ's life, you know, using that to help us understand it better, um, I think that that's what, what we're trying to do is to help ourselves and our children know how to access that power of God. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that idea. And it, you know, as you were talking, it made me think back to um, President Nelson's talk at one point where he says, we need women to raise a sin resistant generation. And as I think about preparing 
my children and preparing this world for the second coming, not having any idea when it's going to come, but trying to make that more real to me and preparing actively for that, no matter when it happens, even if it's hundreds of years in the future, like that's what we're working towards. Um, I need to be able to access his power, right? That idea of a sin resistant generation and of helping my children know how Christ works and how he can help them in their lives. I don't have all the answers, but I'm working towards that, right? That inspires yeah. me and gives me hope of what I can achieve, especially with God's help. And that's, that's what they did. That's what those mothers accomplished. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. This is a story of hope and a story of, of, uh, maybe to understand what the end result might be. So let me just read you another verse of, and this is um, after the, the, these young stripling warriors fought and many of them were hurt, but none of them were killed. And this is what Helaman says about that experience. He says, and now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army. Yea, that they should be spared while there were thousands of our brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miracle, the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God and that whosoever did not doubt that they should be preserved by his miraculous power. Now this was the faith of those to whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm and they do put their trust in God continually. I think mm -hmm. that that is what we're striving for, is to raise a sin, like you said, a sin-resistant generation who put their trust in God continually, who have faith and who move forward with faith. In the world that we live in today, that is so important to, to prepare our children to move forward with faith. And this story inspires me, just like, like you said, it helps me realize that I can do this. If these mothers can do it, so can I. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's just an inspiring, just a fun story um, to see it played out over generations, right? To think, um, you know, to anticipate and to, to think that, you know, you, you put a lot of work in into me and to my siblings and we're now able to just take on that and expand it and, and seeing that anyway, just like just like they did, right? The mm -hmm. those mothers and fathers were incredible and their children even more so, right? And right. that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to lift our kids up to be even better than we were. And we could do it. We can do it. So let me just end um, with this quote by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. He says, We all understand that the success of the gospel message depends upon it being taught and then understood, and then lived in such a way that its promise of happiness and salvation can be realized. To me, that is the learning cycle in a nutshell. As parents, we guide our children from having an experience to reflecting on what happened in that experience, to learning from that and changing because of that. And that is how lasting change happens. That's how we become a different person. And that is how the gospel changes people as they act upon the new knowledge that they've received from these experiences. Mm. I love it. I love it. So let's wrap up the what. What did we talk about this episode? What's our quick review? So basically, um, what I hope that we get from this is that 
Um, there's great power in the experiences that we have. And as we use these experiences to meaningfully teach our children by, by completing that learning cycle, by reflecting on it and talking about it and learning from it and then acting on it, that there is great power for change in that. And that true change happens as we come to understand for ourselves the power of Christ's teaching. And, and that's why the experiences are so important, because they're individual, and we have them for ourselves. And nobody can tell us, nobody can um, put that upon us until we don't come to understand it until we've experienced it for ourselves. And that's why I think it's so powerful. Mm. And then thirdly, I think that that we can follow the example of these, the mothers of these stripping warriors as a, as a guide in our own efforts to raise a sin resistant, uh, generation of, of stripling warriors. We can and we, we should. And it's a great, um, story and a great motivator for us to look at and to, to use in our own lives. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, mom. Um, thank you. We would love to continue this conversation with you guys in our Facebook group. So if you come join the Facebook group, come follow me, Intentionally Teaching Our Children and Youth. Um, that's where we're, we're talking about some of the things. If um, You can also go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, My Teaching Matters. Um, and there's a little button there that says go to our group. So with both the page and the group, are, we're talking about it in both of those spots, but slightly different. So you're welcome to, to be a part of both of those conversations. Um, we would love to talk about what's your favorite thing? that you heard in this episode, what inspires you about the stripling warriors, the mothers of the stripling warriors? What, um, what questions would you ask them? Those are things we'd love to talk about in our group. So come join us. And finally, if you can also leave us a review in iTunes, that's super helpful. Helps more people find this podcast because we want every parent feel like they have the tools they need to teach their children effectively. Um, we know that our teaching matters and we want to help you guys do it better just as we're on this journey ourselves. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye everybody. 